How you doing, everyone? Are we good? We're going to check if technology works. I'm just going to flick this and see. There we go. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Later. You never know when you need your toothbrush, don't you? Yeah, as Jeff said, it's, it's actually Pentecost Sunday, isn't it? And we couldn't have planned it any better. It's the date when uh, churches and Christians around the world remember when the Holy Spirit came down following Jesus' resurrection and ascension, and then they found themselves waiting. But the, the Holy Spirit came and it catapulted the church. Uh, for many, they'll see this as the birth of the church. Now, I know that in our church family, we don't tend to do those dates like Christmas and, and, and Pentecost. We, don't, we celebrate them, but to be honest, I'd be a bit worried if we were the kind of church who got it out of the box, put, it, put everything out, and then we packed it up. You know, Jesus is our Emmanuel every day. God with us, isn't he? And the, and the spirit, this church is birthed with a conviction that we share in our visions and values course when people want to say, I'm going to make this my home. We share about the Holy Spirit because we're a Holy Spirit people. And we're not going to just get them out once a year and remember that. And although calendar dates can be important, that is not us. However, I do want to spend a few moments just sharing a little bit about this. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we need to do this. We need to put ourselves in the feet of the people who we're reading about. Sometimes it becomes a bit detached. We read about a woman pressing through a crowd, don't we? And, and, um, and, and we kind of just, we, in moments, rather than the perseverance of pushing through and getting near people, put yourself in their shoes. Just even this moment on that Pentecost Sunday, just leading up to it, Jesus was risen from the dead. And then after appearing to over 500 people before their very eyes, he starts ascending and going up. And then the temerity of the angel who came and said, what are you looking at? And you and I would have gone, what do you think I'm looking at? How, many, how often do you see somebody doing that? But then they went and they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Go and wait in Jerusalem. Wait so that they could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what they did. Jesus had said, John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Previously, the disciples had been breathed on. The Holy Spirit had come. The disciples had gone out, hadn't they? And, and they went out and they preached the gospel and they healed the sick and they came back to Jesus excited because they said, you know, the spirits are, are, are silent when we pray. They were buzzing. And then Jesus came and said these words to him. Whoever, can we just say that together? Oh, a little bit loud. Whoever. <laughs> can you just point to somebody in the room? It's all going to point and say, whoever. whoever. <laughs> point to somebody else and say, that includes you. That includes you. That believes in me, will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to go to the Father. This might be too much for our minds to comprehend, let alone theirs, but Jesus said it, I believe it. He said it and he's always true to his word whenever and wherever he speaks, it will happen. But could those disciples have really anticipated what was going on? So, I've got a little short video that we want to see. Maybe it captures, it's a spoken word, and it's about Pentecost, and, and it's about the impact that it had on them, but also we know it's an impact that it has on us, and hopefully the technology will work for us. 
This is Pentecost. Everything is different. Everything is new. Everything. This is the birth of the church. The wind swirls, a hurricane blows, the stale air is forced out, the dust disappears in an instant. The air is fresh, the light is all around, the Holy Spirit enters our lives and we become a new creation. It turns us around, turns our lives upside down, blows away the stale and the old. Christ enters our lives and we are made made new. We are made whole. This is the birth of the church. We are gathered here in this place, in this time, to be something new, to refresh the old, to reboot the past, to be the church God created us. This is Pentecost. Everything is different. Everything is new. Everything. This is the birth of the church. The wind swirls, a hurricane blows, the stale air is forced out, the dust disappears in an instant. The air is fresh, the light is all around, the Holy Spirit enters our lives and we become a new creation. It turns us around, turns our lives upside down, blows away the stale and the old. Christ enters our lives and we are made new we are made whole this is the birth of the church we are gathered here in this place in this time to be something new to refresh the old to reboot the past to be the church God created us to be to be the new creation this is the Pentecost God is here Christ is here the spirit is here and we are part of it we are the new creation This is Pentecost. Well, this could be really worrying. That's where technology gets you. Goodness only knows what it looked like on the, uh, on the screen, what they did or didn't get. You see, we don't know what the disciples actually were expecting, but Jesus always surprised them and went further. Whether it was rising up in the sky or touching the leper or healing the blind, he did something that was amazing. And when the Holy Spirit came on that Pentecost Sunday, they were transformed. Suddenly there was overflow, there was energy, there was an empowerment. They became a group not hiding in a room, but bold, going out, proclaiming the gospel, speaking in tongues, declaring the wonders of God, and 3,000 people that day were added to the church. Wow, what a difference it made to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This this was the impact that Jesus knew when his disciples encountered the Holy Spirit and were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they would become world changers. And Jesus knows that you and I also need the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? Yeah, we agree. This is our series on firm foundations that we are doing over these recent months. And let's just read that scripture which it's based out of. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death 
and faith in God, instruction about baptisms, that's baptism in water and baptism in the Spirit, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. We've already looked at repentance and various aspects of faith in God. We've looked at baptism in water. I just say, if you were in the room, or even if you listen online, it might be a little bit harder, you need to get in touch. If you're in the room and you know Jesus and you haven't been baptized in water by full immersion, you need to be. It's a command of Jesus. We can command you. Now, please, you might need a little while to process that, but we can sort that for you. Early on in our Christian lives, there was a a, a hymn which the young ones wouldn't know, but the chorus went something like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Obedience is part of our life. Obey Jesus' command. Get baptized by full immersion. We can talk about that. And Harry did a great job. Find it on YouTube, sharing about it. We've had instruction a couple of weeks ago by David on laying on of hands, and we're going to be getting Dave Shutt, who's going to come and talk to us about the resurrection of the dead. In this next month, you've heard Richard Jones is coming as we unpack this baptism of the Spirit. Good news is, you don't have to wait till next week because the Spirit's here and is going to touch your life this week and touch your life next week and touch your life a week on Wednesday because he's coming. He's coming, and he's coming with anointing and the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost for us. That's what he's coming for. We couldn't think of anybody better. I just wish I could do a Welsh accent, but I always end up sounding like a Pakistani Newcastle Geordie person. And so it just is terrible, terrible, terrible. All of these things that we look at upon that screen, all of those topics are there because they were initiated by Kerry, the apostolic ministry to our church. Now, yes, it says we shouldn't have to lay the foundation, but Kerry is fully aware across churches that relate to him. There are many people who do not have this foundation. And this foundation is crucial for us all, as a church and as an individual. We are not just teaching this so we can tick them off and have our little theological boxes in place. Having good foundations in a building allows you to build something of substance, doesn't it? Shaky foundations, it's a shame some of you younger ones from from Edgehill weren't here a few years ago, because just before you get to Tesco, there was a run of houses on your left-hand side. And they were all wibbly-wobbly because their foundations were terrible. They were on the bus tour of Southport. You would go and drive around and see the wibbly-wobbly houses. You wondered what they did with their tables and chairs when they literally were leaning like that. Bad foundations lead to bad consequences. Good foundations, and these, when they're living and active in our lives and in the church, they allow us to make good decisions Our words, our actions will be lined up with these which are active in our lives. It should be as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are not going to be those people who get to a funeral or to creme and they shove Frank Sinatra on, I did it my way. We want to do it the Lord's way and he reveals it in his word. I was at a conference um, Kerry asked the question, and some of you in the room were there at this conference, so you might need to keep quiet. But he asked this question, and we can answer it. Kerry didn't give chocolate, but Dave is in the house. So, so I'm, I'm okay to be able to give chocolate. Aside from going to the cross and his resurrection, what was the greatest thing that Jesus did in this life? Now, I want you to think of that. Straight away, what was the greatest thing? You're going to be my chocolate distributor distributor 
What was, the, what was the first thing there that came in your mouth? Now, Lynn has chocolate. You just need to put your hand up and shout out, Manny is, uh, Tab, I love you, because every time I've ever been in a room where there's chocolate, hand up straight away. The birth of Jesus, that was pretty, she gets a shot, that, well, that's good. The birth of Jesus was pretty sensational, wasn't it? Probably more sensational for Mary, I would imagine, than for Jesus, who knew what was going on. What, what else have we got? Put your hand up. You know, so, Sam. The miracles, I mean, you probably deserve two pieces of chocolate because she tried to really cover a wide range of bases. Carl. Say again. Send the Holy Spirit. Sue. Send the Holy Spirit. What other things came to mind, John? Lazarus. Who likes the Lazarus story? Resurrection of the dead. It's got to be something good. John gets chocolate. John gets chocolate. Karen. Yeah, he stood up to the devil in temptations. He took his stand, didn't he? Karen Pate gets one. Is, is, is this, where are you going? They didn't say anything. This area has been silent. Karen gets some. Mary Jane, oh, only because you were at the conference. You know what the answer will he be that Kerry. Yeah, but John is wise because John knew if he gave that answer, I would tell him off. Mary Jane, you're going to be our last, and you can take a pick of that chocolate. Mary Jane, what would be the most thing that you think was wonderful that Jesus did when he was here on earth? The feeding of the 5,000. Is that not a great story? I mean, it's a, not just him. I like it because over there, Mary Jane. I love that feeding of 5,000 because we know this, that it was the disciples doing this. And the, the more they gave, the more it got, and they got bolder and more confident. Didn't they? It was great. You know what? We're just going to pause because we could run through his whole life. You're going to know this. Not because Kerry led us down the garden path. He didn't do that, I think. Yeah, he did. But Kerry came with this as the answer. And like you, we had no idea. And then, oh, yeah. Two of you indicated it a little bit. And this was the greatest thing he ever did. He came to leave. He came to leave. It could have been so easy to stay. The disciples would have given him a warm welcome. His inner circle would have been great. But there'd have been a lot of roofs where the holes were made, or the auditorium or the venues. And what about us over here? Nowhere near Palestine. We wouldn't have got a shout in. He knew he had to leave, didn't he? This is a little bit small on my screen, but maybe you can read. Jesus telling his disciples, trying to train, says, I will ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate. That's one of the names for the Holy Spirit. We'll mention more of that in a minute. And what it was going to be, the advocate would come to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus had to go. And now, our primary interaction with that amazing Godhead is the Trinity, in the Trinity is through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's who our primary relationship is with. So just before I unpack the baptism of the Spirit, which is my task today, I just want to say a few things that we would say at our top ten about the Holy Spirit before I talk about the baptism of the Spirit. I want us to understand he's part of the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You think, yeah, 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 Dave, we know this. Do you? If we know it, it'll change our lives. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of third wheel in that dynamic. The Holy Spirit was there before creation, and the Holy Spirit was there at creation, wasn't he? 
Because we know in Genesis 1-2 it said, Earth was formless and empty when darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I've got to say at that point, that passage just conjures up a kind of spooky image. It's probably not helped because a number of the versions of the Bible don't use the word Holy Spirit, do they? They use Holy Ghost. Now, I've spoken with my non-Christian friends about that, and it all gets a little bit complicated. You see, we know that we could ask you to think of God the Father, and if you close your eyes, you could get an image. You could think of God the Son, Jesus, close your eyes and there's an image. Please, he hasn't got blonde hair and blue eyes. He was a Palestinian man. Let's get that right. But however imperfect that picture is, when we say picture the Holy Spirit, suddenly it's a little bit more abstract, isn't it? It's abstract because one moment we're talking tongues of fire, the next there's water, the next there's wind blowing, the next there's oil. And in addition to all those images, of course, there's loads of names. We had one in the earlier scripture. We had one, the advocate, but the paraclete, the spirit, the spirit of the Lord. And it goes on and on. When you look into that, you can do that in your own time. All these names, all these images. And you know what? I love it. I love that there's so many because what it is, is you can't box the Holy Spirit into something that's neat and tidy. He is too too diverse, put my teeth in, too diverse. He's too excellent, too magnificent, too big to try to bring down to this. But when all is said and done, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit feels things, thinks things, and speaks things. It's not some Casper the ghost out there. The Holy Spirit is part of that Godhead. And we know this. We need to be more intimate, to go deeper and experience him more than we have ever, all of us, before. And this is a great day to do it. So what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, here we go. This is great because Peter tells us in Acts 2.38, it's the promise is that it's the gift of the Holy Spirit is the promise for you, your children, and all those who are far off, all those who the Lord God will call. That's you. You're allowed to point again to somebody and say, that's you. Well, obviously, they need to be a believer online. That's you if you know Jesus. That is great news because this verse tells us like salvation... It is a gift from God, and you and I cannot earn it. It's not based on my merit, the number of times I've served on the car park or hospitality, the number of songs I can learn without having to look at the words. It's not based on anything about the good deeds. It's just the unmerited favor and blessing and gift of God for you and I. And also, that verse tells me this, that there is a promise of God. And God, unlike man, always keeps his promises. And I can stand on it. And it means that you and I, today, can have access to the Holy Spirit. Harry's, Harry's excellent teaching on baptism in water told us this, that that word baptize means to be fully submerged, to be immersed. And as in the water, so with the Spirit. This is not a day where we can turn around and say that, uh, that we'll just have a little, um, a few drops, please, Jesus. Jeff talked, we're not having a Jesus in our model and our style and our make. That's not ours to choose. Great message. 
get it last week. I'll tell you what, you're gonna laugh. I've chuckled this week about you saying about all the versions of the milk and then you went to just to get away and you went to, for a coffee. And at that point, I have chuckled so many times this week, Jeff. He says that Jesus is not to be in our image and in our model and what we like. And the same is of the Spirit. We don't want charismatic light. Just a little bit, but don't get too loud or don't get too strange in a meeting or in my life because I want to manage you, Holy Spirit. That is not what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's to be fully immersed in all that the Holy Spirit would have for you. Not starting with, oh, but what if I don't speak in tongues? What if I fell over? What if I suddenly have or stand on my leg for five hours or whatever? It's just, I want you, Holy Spirit, all of you, and anything that you've got. You needn't worry because you've got self-control. You've got self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You're not out of control. The Spirit of God, though, comes to transform and change your life. In fact, when we go to the Scriptures, we find that in all four Gospels, in those you can look them up later, there's a form of, it's very close to these words. He, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with what? Can we say it? The Holy Spirit and fire. Say it with a little bit more awe. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. Can we say it with a bit of a Welsh accent? With fire. Oh, the wonderful Daniel brothers who we knew. It's mentioned in all four. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's there because it's very important. It's key. It's a fulcrum. Go and have a little look and have a Bible study of all the things that are mentioned in all four Gospels and you will not find a great deal. These words from John the Baptist reveal to us that it was Jesus' intention that every single one of us be baptized, be fully immersed, doused water flowing out with Holy Spirit and fire. This was to be part of our normal Christian life. And we could now ask ourselves and pause a question and say, is it a part of my normal Christian life? Because Dave's talking a little bit passionately, and I thought he was teaching, not preaching, but he's going on. But is it a part? Now, don't be condemned, because you're going to have a moment where you can change whatever the answer if it's negative. This meeting is a time for you to be able to change. The the baptism that is talked of shows that we don't have to get Jesus in our life just to be a ticket to heaven. That's not what it's about, although I'll say something else about that in a moment. It's an opportunity for us to be baptized with his power. With the power means dunamis, which we get dynamite from. It's with his ability. No longer should you and I be living life with our ability and strength, but living life daily in his ability and strength. That's what a baptism of the Holy Spirit means. We read that Jesus told the disciples in that Acts 1 verse, to wait in the city. He told them, he goes up, there's the angel, we've laughed, whoops, we've laughed and we, and, we see, and we see that he says, wait in the city because Jesus did not want them to do this. Go out into their life and just carry on as normal. Wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. His expectation was they would wait and get, wait and receive. There would be that moment where we, if we haven't, we need to wait on him and we will receive. I'll tell you how later on. We weren't to live life in our own strength, in our own talent, our own ability. And this room is packed with people with talent and ability. We know this because I know I can get through in my life 
and do lots because I've got quite a bit of talent and ability. I might not have many tools, but there's other stuff I can do. I've actually got more than three chords on my guitar. I know I could string a lot together and I could maybe woo people into thinking they were in the presence of God. The good news is you will because you're worshipping the spirit and truth and I'm just worshipping know that I can go from G to A and the A and the sing majesty and move it up another key and won't that be great? No life in it for me. You'll contact God. But we are supposed to not live with the mind but live by his spirit. And when we do that, folks... Isn't life going to be so much easier? Now, that's not to say life is easier in terms of challenge. Some of you and some of you watching online, you're going through challenges. But when we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, that baptism in the Holy Spirit for the disciples enabled them to be transformed to those that ran away in Gethsemane, to standing up and being martyred. A transformation that allowed them to get to that point had to be by the Spirit of God, didn't it? So it's in all four for a reason. So let me just share a few things about what does the Holy Spirit do. The Holy Spirit does it. The baptism takes us deeper in our relationship with him. It makes us more intimate. It makes us closer with him. We can, we can utter mysteries to him and he can speak to us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit releases that power. Not so that you and I can have goosebumps. There are some people who chase meetings around the world. Why? They travel continents to go and be in a room in order that they, can, that they can stand in the presence of God and receive the presence of God. Well, I wish they'd just give me their money. I could use it for the kingdom and then I could lay hands on them just where they were. In Croydon or Chorley or wherever it happens to be. You don't have to do that because otherwise the Holy Spirit is stuck at Pensacola or Toronto or wherever the church is that you think something's happening. It can happen where I I'm present because I have the Spirit of God in me. Okay. What else does it do? The baptism releases power to do what? Jesus enables us, anoints us for purpose. So Dave, you can have the power of the Spirit. That's what God says. And what he says, you will be anointed with power in order that you will be my witnesses. There's an end to it, not just so that I sit in my lounge. My world, the people I meet, I find a way of sharing his love, life, and power because I've received it, I'm going to give it out. I've got to share about that, haven't I? And the baptism in the Spirit also helps to teach and equip us. He's the comforter, he's the counselor, he's the one that we cultivate that listening ear, don't we? But when we get baptized in the Spirit, we're more conscious of him. And so we want to be able to hear him speaking for our lives. But also the great thing is we can hear him speaking for other people's lives as well. Can I just say practically, always remember this, that it's your voice, it's your voice box. Let's just do something. Let's just say those words, but utter no sound with your voice. I want your mouth to move. Yeah? Just do this. Can you read that without making any sound with your voice box, all of you? So your mouth actually moves. Don't do it in your head. Ready? Everybody have a go. You can all move your mouth. You made a choice. Now I want you to add a little bit of volume. Ready? Not too much. Ready? Here we go. What does this baptism in the Holy Spirit look like? Okay, now I want you to add a little bit more volume. Ready? 
Let's turn the dial up to number five out of ten. Ready? What does this baptism in the Holy Spirit look like? Now, I want you to add a little bit of emotion to it this time. I mean, maybe, maybe if I go up there, it might be like Peter saying, what must I do to be saved? Yeah? So you put a bit of emotion in. Ready? Here we go. What does this baptism in the Holy Spirit look like? All of that was down to your choice, your self-control. You choose volume. It's your voice box. When we pray for you, take a big, deep breath, and then uh, not your voice box. A sound comes out, and it goes from this. It's as easy as that, really. It's your voice box. There's self-control. Don't ever just think it'll be like me. Poor Dave Gregg for six months sat on a bench outside Scaresby Hall Gardens. Go ahead. Waiting for the sovereign hand of God to suddenly fall on me when the Bible has already said that out of the innermost being streams of living water will flow out through me. Let's just be clear about something. I think I need to go there. Need to make a quick distinction between baptism in the Spirit and what happens when we're born again. John 3 and verse 5 says these words. Unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, you must be born again in order to be baptized in the Spirit. There is an order. When you're born again, of course, then you can say of yourself, as Paul wrote in Corinthians, I'm a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. At that moment of new birth, you believed in your heart, you confessed with your lips, and at that moment, your spirit that was dead comes alive. That's what happened to you a couple of weeks ago. That's Jesus to come into your life. You spoke it out. You spoke it in. And something miraculous took place. It's amazing. Your voice gave vent to something that was a faith. But at that moment in time, as our friend Roger Aubrey from All Nations Church Cardiff says, you didn't just receive a bit of the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive a tiny little bit just to get you through. You received the Holy Spirit in its fullness. When you're born again, you're saved from your sins, you become a new creation, and yes, you, your, your eternity is secure, your destination of being in heaven is, is, is there. You don't have to worry about death anymore because that's just a doorway to more life. It's new birth, it's by the Spirit, but it's so much more. Romans 8 verse 11, the beginning of it says, The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, gold. The same power that rose Christ from the dead is living in you. And that happens at the moment you ask Jesus into your life. So if you've asked Jesus, you've got the Spirit. But there's got to be something more. Because Jesus told them to wait, the believers to wait, and they will be baptized with the Spirit. See, this is where my toothbrush came in. And um, some of you have got these. You know I can use that toothbrush like this? I can Sometimes when the battery's gone or I haven't recharged it, that's exactly what I do. And all the time I'm thinking, I wish I had the power to make this work properly. But it was designed, wasn't it? It was designed to have power. Now we know every illustration is poor, but I looked and just thought, there are Christians going around like this and they could press that button. Because there's a choice that you and I have when it comes to being filled, to be baptized, to be immersed, to be drenched with the Holy Spirit. For those early Christians and those disciples, and for us today, there is a choice. It's a choice where we can express our hunger, our thirst, 
to God. And as we do, we will be baptized. There will be an outpouring. There will be a drenching in the Spirit for you and for me. Now, we know that, the, that in all of the stories that we read in Acts, from Pentecost to Samaria to Cornelius' house, there can be moments where God just moves sovereignly, isn't it? They were to, all together together, and the Holy Spirit came, and boom. But there's other times that Paul or Peter will go and they will lay hands. And that laying on of hands, as David so well taught us, can impart and release into us. And the one thing that is common, whether it's sovereign or laying on of hands, is this. Is that when that happens, stuff starts to take place. You'll speak in tongues. You'll declare the wonders of God. You'll prophesy. Who knows if tongues of fire were there. Simon the sorcerer saw something on that day and thought it was such a good trick, he'd pay a bit of money for it. It was that good. I suspect it was something similar to what took place at Pentecost. For all those people, something dynamic happened, and something dynamic can happen for you and me today. Yeah? Do you believe that? Need to say something else. That moment in time... Can we remember, anybody who's maybe a little bit older, remember the, the day you got baptized in the Holy Spirit? The day you got baptized? So can you put your hands up now? Just have a look around. See, we all remember that day. I've heard a number of your stories. They've been fantastic. For me, it was in John and Julia's attic room before they had a conversion. Sick and lying in bed, thinking, God, I need you to touch my body. We come back from a Minadon camp, and I was really ill. I had two friends, and if you knew that room, it was a pretty tight room to have three of you in there. Three beds, mine was creaky, and it was small, and I was tall. And I felt the voice of God say, get out of your bed and lie on the floor. And I said, I'm not going to do that. There's two men, there's John and Julie. I got everywhere. I was, being, I was for a moment in my life being compassionate towards John and Julie that I might wake them up because it was such a creaky bed. It was nothing to do with it. It was to do with pride. And do you not know I'm ill, God? Yeah, get out of your bed and lie on your face. I wasn't even asking for the Holy Spirit to be baptized because I'd been asking him for a long time. And the moment that I got out of my bed and snuck and crawled on the floor thinking that the boys were going to wake up and I was just going to be exposed and be embarrassed, the moment that I woke up and lay on the floor with my face, I don't know how long I was there, but I was there for a long time, not thinking about waking them up or the boys up. I didn't wake either of them up. And then I climbed back in bed thinking, what was all that about? And in the morning I got up and I was well. No temperature. Let me tell you, I have no idea. But I do know this, it starts with a point of hunger for each one of us. So I just want to finish, can the musicians come back up please? I want to share with you just how you can be baptized in the Spirit. We know it can be sovereign, we know we can lay hands on. But there's something that we play a part today and here's a few things that I can't reveal one at a time, so in many ways I'd rather just, I'm, I'm just going to share them and then I'll shove them up, okay? But we need to be those, if we want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, those who come to him and ask. We've read that, if you ask the great scripture, if you ask, the Father will give. You and I need to be those who ask. There is no mediocrity, there's no deli counter, there's nothing for half-heartedness. I do know that my personal encounter, which was a, a bit unusual, but it was just different. I've heard many, many different ways in here, in this room. I know this, 
But God saw my heart was for him. I wanted to know him. I came, I asked him. I came to him seeking. Know this, that those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to him. All of them. And that stops you. Some of us are worrying about stuff. The bills, the rent, the job, the future. And you need to stop worrying about it because you're wasting emotional and spiritual energy on that. You need to come to this bit and say, I'm going to seek you first, God. I'm going to put you first in everything. Absolutely, utterly everything. And guess what? As you start seeking, the other stuff will fall in place. So why waste effort on that? God knows your needs. Come to him asking. Come to him seeking. Come to him expectant. I love the Psalm 25 and verse 3 that says, No one who hopes in God will ever be put to shame. What a verse. Come confidently, as the writer to the Hebrews says, that you can boldly approach the throne of grace. And some of us, we struggle with that, don't we? Because maybe there's been stuff that we've not been so happy. We've maybe let God down. We've, let's call it what it is. We've sinned. But the good news is this, if we have sinned and we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that means that at that moment, we can ascend the hill of the Lord, come with clean hands and a pure heart, and at that point in time, I can just come boldly to the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he'll receive me. There's a bit that I can do there, isn't there? Do you get that? You're allowed to smile. I know it's a little bit serious if you've done something maybe that's kind of doesn't please God. Just want to encourage you just to change. Come seeking, asking, expectant, confident, and come hungry. For it's those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew says it's those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew 5 verse 6. They shall be filled. You will be filled, filled if you hunger and seek God. You need to be hungry and seek God. And if there is a reason why you're not this day. Just come to God. He's saying, come here, my son. Come, my daughter. Don't go and serve a time in some Protestant purgatory, waiting until a day when things are a bit better. Just today, can we say, Holy Spirit, I want you to come. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And finally, come to him believing because this, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's got to be that coveting, a good coveting of the gifts of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And all of those things, whether it's expectant or confidence or hunger, thirst, belief, knowing this, that God is more than willing and more than able to fill you afresh today with his Holy Spirit. How good is that? The common ingredient on all of those... Oops. Oh, now we're in trouble. Now we're definitely in trouble. The common ingredient for all of those asking and seeking is this, you've got to come to him. And you know what? As leaders in this church, we can present the opportunity, but the one thing we can't do is this. I won't do you, Gene. I would have pulled you then, Gene. We can't do this. Let me pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think much is going to happen? Do you think that? Now, Sophie is wonderful. She's spiritual. Doesn't she encourage us? You're now all going to have to smile, and you can sit there first in line to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a moment. No pressure, though. Have a sit down. It's no good for us as leaders to grab you and pull you and try to make you feel as though you should. You need to want to and to desire and to be thirsty. And if you're not, God can sort that. But don't today, please, pass by 
and just continue the way you are because we want everybody to know him better today. The baptism in the Spirit is essential, it's crucial, it's foundational for everything in our walk with him as a believer. Now time's not going to allow us to lay hands on everybody, but the good news is he can move sovereignly. All we need is this opportunity, don't we, for the Spirit of God to come. I wonder if we stand up together. There is a simple, and it is an old song, but it's a prayer from our heart. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Fill me anew. Now, fill me anew is good for you, believer in the house, that you have this moment, that we together have this moment, but this is an individual moment for you to call out and ask the Holy Spirit. We would like to pray for you, especially if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. We do want to pray for you if you need to see breakthrough in speaking in tongues for the first time. But as we worship, you know, it can happen there, but don't be like me, arguing with God on a bed, trying to put my case. No, I don't want to. Here's, here's how I've been in meetings. I don't want to be the first. In fact, I don't even want to be the last. I'm embarrassed. Do you know how tall I am, God? I stand out from everybody else. What if I fall over? What if... And there's so many questions. I talk myself out of the moment when I should just be doing this, saying, here I am, Lord. Now, we have our leaders. There's elders and leaders in the house who are part of a ministry team. And they need to come so they can be here. So we can pray for them as well. It's not just some people have it and some people don't. If you don't have it today, let me say, because of your choice, not because of anything else. It's your choice. And our encouragement, our encouragement is that you would come, all who are thirsty, and God will pour streams of living water. So we're going to sing this song. If you want prayer, let me say, why not step out on the first line? Don't wait and wait and wait. And let's just call for the Spirit of God and make that prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me.